0: Good morning, everyone. Amen. We got an extra hour to rest. Who's grateful for that this morning? (laughs) It was nice to be able to wake up and the sun was out Mm -hmm. already. So, So I'm grateful for that. So I'm glad that we're all here today. And I would like for us to open up in prayer. So please stand and join with us. Lord God, we come before you on this day, Lord, just giving you thanks, Lord. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the brisk, cool air, Lord God. We just thank you for God, for being who you are, Lord. You are our sustainer. You are consistent. And we just thank you for that, Lord God. We love you, Lord God, for who you are, Lord. We are just grateful grateful, grateful. And as we are here this morning, it is November 1st. And, and and while we celebrate Thanksgiving during the month of November, Lord, we're here right now just saying not, not only because it's November, we are thankful, thankful to you, Lord, for who you are, for who you are, Lord. You're just majestic and wonderful and omnipotent, and I'm my present, Lord. You are faithful to us. You love us, Lord, unconditionally, Lord God. And we're just so grateful, grateful, grateful unto you. So we just wanna come before you right now, Lord, with our appreciation to you, because you reign on the throne. You are our leader. You are our king, and we love you, Lord God. We are grateful for the Trinity, The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because they reign in our lives, Lord. They reign in our lives. You are our Father, Lord God. So we just come before you right now, once again, to give you praise, honor, and glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and give thanks. Amen. 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 All right, y'all ready this morning? Amen, amen, Amen. We need you to put your hands together with us.
1: I need your help. Trumpets call, lift your voice, it's the year of jubilee, out of
2: Zion's
1: real salvation comes. Come on. Put your hands together. There's no God like There's like There's There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Your salvation
0: comes. All right. Amen. All right. So we're here giving honor to God.
1: Yes, Lord. Thank you,
0: Lord. He's riding on the cloud. Can you see him? Can you I'm envision waiting. the Bless Lord reigning over all the earth? Because that is what he does. That is what he does. Amen. 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 So, as he does that, and as we can just envision him doing that, Lord, we're just going to give our anthem to him. Because we love him, we worship him.
2: By His stripes we are healed By His nail-pierced hands we're free By His blood we wash clean And now we have the victory The power of sin is broken
1: overcame it all He has won our freedom Jesus has won it all
2: So lift your voice and say now yeah. You have
1: won You have won it all for me. Death could not hold you down. You are the reason. God is with us.
3: To everyone who was able to watch us as we live stream. We are grateful again to be back um, in the house of the Lord. And we're grateful again to be able to worship together, whether you're here with us or whether you are with us as you watch us. We are grateful for the Lord allowing us this opportunity again to sing his praises. As the song said, he has won the victory. Uh, not he will win, Uh, he has won, and his victory is being demonstrated daily. And so we can live in that victory, not because we're hoping one day he wins, that he's won, and one day he's going to complete it and is going to finish it. And so we live with that in mind. We're not hoping that God wins this thing. We're not hoping that he has a plan to get us out. His plan is as they should mean, as they would say, in full effect. And he is in the process of demonstrating that he won. Please remember that on those days when it seems like you are overwhelmed and are losing, God doesn't lose. He has never, he doesn't know what it is like to lose. And so we have to remember that. So this morning, again, I just want to thank all of you for being here. But I want to thank all of you um, that were able to participate in one way or another with yesterday's Trunk or Treat. We had a wonderful time. We are really grateful for the cars that were here um, and that were able to be here in person. Thankful for those that gave, whether it was candy or, or food or Water that helped to supply. Thankful for that too because we ran out. Um, we just had so many people. We were grateful we did not take account like we normally do um, each year because we didn't want any registrations or anything filled out. We just wanted people to show up this year and to have some sense of normality. And We estimated um, it was at least but probably more than about 250 people came through yesterday. And so we were really glad that we had that opportunity. Several people that came by just said, thank you for doing this. We were glad that there could be some normalcy in this abnormal year. And so just really thankful and thankful for all of you. And this community knows that even when it's tough, we care. Um, Even when it's hard, we are committed Um, to what bringing God's love. He loves us and thus we can love other people and we demonstrate it in a number of ways. So we're really grateful for that and we want to thank you guys. I also want to personally thank every one of you who have written cards and have given gifts to to me and my family for Pastors Appreciation Month. It was very well appreciated. I read every card. As a matter of fact, I keep my cards um, because those are reminders to me about how the Lord is allowing me to have some input um, into your lives and that he is allowing me to be of use in his kingdom. So I am just really glad um, for your cards. Thank you. And um, um, I indeed felt well appreciated. So I just wanted to make sure that I said that to every one of you. Um, We are going to, before we jump into our word, have a time of prayer this morning, we are going to be praying for, in addition to um, some of the things that we have, we are going to be praying for our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church. Understand right now, although we, it may be difficult um, in some different ways for us here, please understand we have some brothers and sisters who are experiencing probably about five times as worse than we are. Um, because of their faith, because they have chosen to stand with Christ, they are suffering persecution, mental, spiritual, physical. Um, many of them have been ostracized from families. Um, some of them are on the run um, and, and they have to hide. If they want to meet in person, um, um, they have to meet in seclusion. And so we want to pray, pray for their faithfulness, But I have a video this morning that I want you guys to watch that that will help to better give us a picture of how we need to pray.
2: My name is Jeanette. I am a Christian and I love Jesus with all my heart. I love my children and I love the people of my country, the Central African Republic. There are both Christians and Muslims in my country and we lived as neighbors as I walked to reach them for Christ. But my hope for a peaceful life didn't last. Our village was ambushed by the Islamist attackers. Guns started firing and we started running as fast as we could into the bush. All the Christians in my village were killed or driven into hiding. I fled with my children. We didn't even have time to put on our shoes or clothes.
4: Attacks like these have been targeting Christians in the Central African Republic for eight years and continue today. Churches and missionary stations that have been built over decades have been destroyed along with Christians' homes that have been burnt to the ground. In one area, the only structures that remained were the metal roofs of two churches. Thousands of Christians have spent years in makeshift temporary shelters far from their homes as the violence and instability continues. (music) Delivering desperately needed help to displaced Christians often means overcoming impassable roads using cargo planes, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, and even canoes. With God's help, supplies are making it to Christians scattered throughout various camps. Today, Jeanette and more than 30,000 Christians in the Central African Republic have been driven from their homes, all because of their faithfulness in maintaining a witness for Christ in majority Muslim areas in the face of severe Islamist violence these courageous believers our christian brothers and sisters in the central african republic have shown god's love and forgiveness to their persecutors they continue to faithfully follow the lord and trust him to meet their needs
3: Can I ask us to stand this morning? You know, one of the things that I notice with that is if you read through Scripture, where there is great suffering and sacrifice amongst believers, God has shown us examples of the greatest growth. Uh, We see throughout church history that as um, humanity, as sinful man has tried to stamp out the kingdom of God, God has used it to grow his church. As I said earlier, God does not lose And even in the loss of life, those saints are in his presence. We know the scripture that says, precious in the eyes of the Lord are the death of his saints because they are with him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And although that pain is real and that their suffering is real, so is their relationship in our relationship with Christ. And I know there are some that will say, well, if they lived in a country where this could be avoided, it would be better. Not necessarily so, because as we see in the book of Acts, when the church started growing and as we'll see today, it was as it was persecuted. This is not our home. That's what is the reminder. God's kingdom is growing and it is spreading. And regardless of if he allows persecution to come or not, that is not the issue for us. The issue is to remain faithful. We are going to be looking at a little section of Revelation today as we get into our word. And one of the things in that book, one of the One of the key themes of Revelation is to conquer and be faithful in the face of persecution. Many of us don't like reading that book because we see some things that we would rather not see or hear. But what we miss is that Christ stands as he did in the middle of his church, calling them to be faithful regardless of the persecution and the sacrifices. As a matter of fact, We don't sit here and just say, Lord, I'll serve you if you make it easy, or please, Lord, help me to avoid it. Now, we do not want to experience that, but the the greater prayer for us and what we'll pray for them today is that they will be faithful regardless of what God allows. And that will be for us as well, that that we remain faithful regardless of what God allows. We pray for safety, but what if he doesn't bring physical safety? <clears throat> we, pray for, we pray for things to be at peace, but what if he allows disruption? We pray for acceptance in our society, but what if like the churches or uh, um, the Christians throughout church history, he allows us to be shunned and marginalized? God calls us to be faithful. Why? Because Christ was faithful, even to the point of death. As a matter of fact, even death on a cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you allow us to remain faithful. Father, that in the middle of all that is happening, in the middle of all that is going on in our world, in the evil that seems to be winning, We realize, God, that it is not your kingdom is expanding, but God, it is because Christ has already won. Father, when he was resurrected from the dead, victory was claimed. And Father, we are now experiencing it, looking forward to that final victory, even over death. And so, Father, this morning, we, our hearts are heavy with our Brothers and sisters in the Central African Republic and other places in which, Lord, they are being persecuted and are suffering and have sacrificed everything for their faith. Father, we don't know what that's like here right now, and we don't know if you're going to allow that to change or not. But Father, one thing we do know is that you have called them and us to remain faithful, Father, that you says to him who remain faithful, oh, my God, that the reward, the tree of life. Lord, I just pray that indeed we would remain faithful. But, Lord, I pray today specifically for our brothers and sisters persecuted. Father, in this country, they've been displaced for years. And, Lord, I wonder what many of us would do after one year being displaced for our faith. Father, I pray that you would help them to remain faithful, to see you as 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 a treasure. Lord, that their joy would remain full, that they would stand strong and stand tall in Christ. And even in the face of death, they would remain faithful. I pray that they would be a witness to many that God is real, that his Christ is victorious, and that by the power of the Holy Spirit that they will remain faithful as well. I pray that you would help them to represent you and that, God, they would proclaim the gospel that many would come to know you. I also pray right now for us here today, Lord, that the challenges we face And Lord, and the uncomfortable situations and maybe even some of the sacrifices, Father, that they would not be too great for us to remain faithful. Lord, that we would stand strong, Father, allowing you to lead and direct us. Father, we do want a peaceful life and we do pray that we're able to work minding our business as we proclaim Christ, loving our neighbors, and Lord, I'm continuing on in life, but God, if you allow differently, I pray that we would stand just as strong as in the days of peace and ease. We know, oh God, throughout scripture that when the church is persecuted, it grows. And I pray, God, that it will continue to grow. I pray for us today, Lord, that as we come here, Father, that you would help us to fix our eyes on you. God, that those things that we are going through, Lord, that we would realize they are not greater than you. You are greater than them. I also pray, God, that we would continue to represent you well, share this gospel, and to love others like you have called us to love. Let them see you when they meet us. We ask you this this morning. As we hear your word, I pray we would hear with hearts of obedience, and that we would stand, and that we would ask, "What must I do in light of what I've heard today?" These things we pray in Christ's name, Amen. You may be seated. We are getting into our last on our series, the gospel. I mean, um, through the gospel-shaped church curriculum that we've been looking at. Um, this is our second track in that called "Gospel-Shaped Mercy." And we are at the last section of that, and this one is on diversity, community enriched. And what we're going to see is how the early church began, and we're going to see how God culminates it all in humanity when this is all over. We're going to see how that church looked when they began because it gives us great example and it gives us some good things to keep our eyes on and to focus on. And although that is an imperfect picture of what God one day will bring about, it is the picture that we need to fast our fix our eyes on. But then we're also going to take a look at Revelation. And through John, who got a peek into what will happen, we get to see what God had in intended and what he will bring about. And through that, I hope that we can be encouraged that we would be like those other saints who are being like Christ and that one day because we fix our eyes on what God said will happen, we will live in light of that, what he has shown us. And so this morning, we're going to look at this whole issue of diversity community enriched now understand what we have gone through throughout this series myself and um, elder Wright has walked you guys through it and i want to go through just real quick the different names of the sermons that we had gone through if i can just find this uh page that i thought i had here give me just a second We looked at the very first one, our session was shalom or peace, and that wasn't just the absence of conflict. We talked about peace being that whole spiritual, that whole total being wellness. And that God was looking to bring about shalom ultimately, the world made beautiful. How God had first built it, how sin has marred it, and how he is bringing it back to that day when the new heaven and and, and the new earth will be here, and he is bringing it back to the way that it was supposed to be. But in the meantime, we are to be people of shalom. We are to be people who have... Now, there is the absence of conflict with God because of Jesus Christ, but there's also this wellness and this wholeness about us because of Jesus Christ. Then secondly, we looked at justice, wrongs made right, and that how God through, through um, bringing about justice in Christ for us, wants us to be people of justice in our world and that we are righting the wrongs that are out there God's way. Secondly, I mean, sorry, thirdly, we looked at love, the heart of compassion and that, and that what this hangs on is our love for others that comes from God's love for us. The heart of compassion is that God demonstrated what love was when he sent Christ. And then as he died and was risen, he gave us an example, including from his life, what love looks like and that we are to be the most compassionate people, not the most cold, but the most compassionate people on the planet because we have received of the compassion of God through Christ. Then fourth, we we looked at mercy, hearts made soft, and that justice and mercy meet in Christ. God had mercy on us, but he had to have justice for the sin that had happened. He had to make it right. How was he going to accomplish having favor that we did not deserve and making sure that sins were paid for and accounted for. Well, that met in Jesus, in that in him taking our sin, he also had great compassion on us, and we come to him, God meshing to do the two into one person. And so today, in Christ, we find forgiveness, that's both mercy and justice, and we find compassion, That's just pure mercy because there isn't a person in this room that deserved it. And then next we looked at generosity, stewarding God's money, or this is our gospel response. And we learned that one thing I hope we get from that, however you give, being generous is not a resource issue. We learned that generosity is a heart issue. You don't give because you have enough. You give as far as the Lord is concerned because your heart has been changed and has been shaped. And whatever you give, you give gladly because of how God has given to you, knowing that you can never repay him and not even trying to do it. We don't give to get. I don't give like some sort of investment club that if I give God this amount, he's going to multiply it 20 fold. And I'm going to get this at the end. Anyone would do that. That's a great investment strategy. But I give because God has given to me and my heart has been changed. And we learn from the Macedonian Christians that in their poverty and in their affliction, they gave above their means. They gave above what they were able. Why? Because it says they counted it a privilege to give to the cause of. Of Christ. And then we saw last week reconciliation relationships healed and how by God demonstrating um, this whole reconciliation, he has brought us back to himself. We have been reconciled to God through and in Christ because of that. Now we seek to be reconciled with others around us, Every relationship experiences some brokenness because of sin. And just as God healed and reconciled us to himself through the gospel, so are we to reconcile and heal as many that will through Christ in us. We are to be reconcilers. You don't believe it? Oh, Scripture says it in Corinthians that he has given us the ministry, all of us, of reconciliation, that we are calling people back to God. And so every believer, everyone that names the name of Christ, you have at least one, there are more ministry, and that is to be a reconciler. You are not the person who starts wars and starts fights and causes divisions. You are finding ways in the wisdom that God gives. You are finding ways to, be reconciled to people. And that takes the Spirit of God. Because our world wants no part of reconciliation. Our world is set on sides. And if God was set on sides, we would all be on the wrong side. And that's why, you know, someone you say, one with God is a majority. Nope, God is a majority. Period whether there's one or not, because however and whatever he says and does goes. And so if we are to be like God, I mean, if we are to be on the Lord's side, that we are to be like him. And then today we wrap it up with diversity, community enriched. And what we will see is that God's intention here is to at his throne have a a community of believers from everywhere that he has brought to himself by his glorious gospel. And it doesn't just start then, it starts now. If we think we can live like we want, and then one day, boom, it just changes, we're fooling ourselves. God is working on that right now in those who are truly his. So turn with me to Acts chapter 11. We actually went over this scripture before. We actually spoke on this. I actually preached on this a while back, so you might remember some of it. But I want us to be able to see this. And I want to give, there will be three things that we will look at this morning. The first one will be in in this whole host- Issue of diversity, community, and rich. We're going to look at the God, I mean the context for God's people being called Christians. This is critical. It is interesting when and how that name came about and where it came about. Secondly, we're going to get a picture of God's end and culmination for his saints. We're going to get that, a picture of God's end and culmination for humanity when they are around the throne in the book of Revelation chapter 7. And then lastly, we're going to ask that question and for you to answer, how should we live in light of God's victorious and diverse end? How should we live? So let's get into the uh, first part. Turn with me to Acts chapter 11, verse 19, and if you're there, all of a sudden, my page wants to stick together. All right, <clears throat> let's set up just a little bit of the background right now. What happened here is God was now beginning to move in the Gentile world, and in um, the the church had already been scattered some because Stephen had been killed, and in that. Persecution that arose, the church just kind of scattered outward. And Peter, in chapter 10, receives this vision while he is resting in an afternoon and God is introducing what he is getting ready to do. God is working on several things at once. He is talking to Cornelius and he is dealing with Peter. Cornelius is a Gentile, is a Greek. and yet he was one that had heard of the things of God and was trying his best to follow that. And so here we come up, God is talking to both of them at the same time, getting them ready for one another because that's how God works. And so he gives Peter this vision of all these unclean animals. Now understand, as a Jew, that would have been his natural response if you had not been paying attention to what God had been saying throughout history and what Jesus had been showing them. But we knew that salvation would come to the Jews first. And Jesus tells the Samaritan women that it is of the Jews. Why? Because it came from a Jewish Messiah. But we see here that Peter in chapter 10 gets this vision and all these unclean. We can just see it in today's this 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 big blanket comes down for this picnic. And it is the pickled pig's feet and it is the chitlins and it is every other unclean thing that a Jewish person would. And all these animals were being laid down and the voice comes and says, kill and eat. And Peter is like, you out of your mind. See, but he didn't think this was the enemy. Maybe he thought it was a test because if you look in chapter 10 at his response, he doesn't just say no, he says no, Lord. And so Peter understood, he was like, okay, maybe this is some sort of test if I'm going to eat those things which we aren't supposed to. And then the voice from heaven makes it clear to him and says, whatever I have made, do not call unclean. In essence, whatever I am bringing into being, you are no longer to consider it unclean. And he wasn't just talking about animals because afterwards he gave him instructions that there were some men that were on their way already because he had already, God had already sent them and that he was to go with them. And when he went with them, they ended up at Cornelius's house. And he began to hear and talk and as They began to talk, the Spirit of God fell on them as they did at the day of Pentecost on those Jews that were there. And the sign that the Spirit of God now indwelt Gentiles as well as now Jews were that they did exactly what happened in in the beginning of Acts. They spoke in these various tongues. And Peter said, I recognize that. That's when the Spirit of God came in and dwelt us all. Not a special event. Just give a little input there. This was, this was the sign that God was now accepting Gentiles, Greeks, non-Jews, just like he did Jews. In other words, God says, my plan is coming fully around because that's what I had intended from the beginning. Remember, he gave Abraham the instructions, and I mean, the promise that through you, Through your seed, the whole world will be blessed. Well, of course they would. Because through him came the Messiah and but the example of Christ. I mean, the. The example of Christ was going to be shed not only through Jews, but through non-Jews. And now it was coming into being. And so what we see here is him now fulfilling that. And so Peter goes back and reports it to the church. And here's what the church said. You would have thought the church would be so excited because God was now moving all over the world just as he said. Remember, Jesus had already said, you will be my witnesses and you will, you know what? You will go all over the world. You will be my witnesses. And he talked about being in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. I wonder if they missed that. It was like, did he really mean Samaria? Because the Jews there aren't really Jews in, in the eyes of Jews. And then to the uttermost parts of the world. I'm wondering if they thought that meant Jews that lived all over the world. Because as we open up in chapter 11, Peter is given a report of what happened and what he saw. And they were angry. They criticized him. Well, hold on a second. Did you just hear what he shared? They were angry. If you look at the first section of 11, they were angry that he ate with those people. The only problem was those people were now your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so they sent Barnabas to check it out. They sent him down to see what was happening. And so we get into verse 19 as he's explaining all this. Verse 19 comes into play. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to Hellenists, and this is, And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. This context for them being called Christians is so amazing. We just saw how God's revelation to Peter that I was opening this door now and that and that Gentiles and that non-Jews were going to be evangelized. But look at how it happened. When they were persecuted and when they were scattered, they ran with the gospel but were still only preaching the gospel to people that looked like them, thought like them in some Context that they were familiar with their ways. In other words, these really were more convenient. I didn't want to try and talk to anyone that was outside of this. It is also thought that many of them thought that the gospel would not be understood by the non-Jew. Because who would, why would they care that a Jewish Messiah came for the sins of the world? And sometimes that's how we feel. When we're around people, they're not going to understand this gospel. I don't need to share this. It's going to sound silly to them. But then there are some, and this is what I like. The people that came from where, and listen to this, where Jesus lived, where his example was seen, where he died and was resurrected, the people from Jerusalem that had the witness of Christ and then now began to witness the day of Pentecost and then begin to witness this change in these people that were claiming Christ, they were the ones who couldn't, didn't share with anyone that didn't look like them. And you go, well, wasn't that God's command? God never said just to stay with Jews only. He just didn't tell them when it was going to change. But I love the kind of people that brought on the change. These are our experimenters. These are our people who are bold and are unafraid to try something new, go somewhere different, talk to someone that may make you uncomfortable. But I'm going to give it a shot in the name of Christ. It says that 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 those that came from Jerusalem, let's see it. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, and they weren't from Jerusalem. Men of Cyprus and Serene. I want to stop there for a second because both of those had a lot of diversity in their areas and in their city, and so did Antioch. Antioch was the third largest city in the Greco-Roman Empire at this particular time, the third largest. It was one of the most important. It was full of diversity. It was, it was full of business and travel. It was full of sin. It was, I mean, it was just full of everything. And God chose this city in which he was going to allow, and in, in large number, probably wasn't the first time because we know the Ethiopian eunuch was spoken to, but this was the first time in large number we would have non-Jews proclaimed the gospel and receiving Christ and now the church growing to such a point where non-Christians, where, where where those that were not disciples, and we'll see it later, where those that were not disciples were actually the one who named this group. And so we look here and we see that some from the place other than what we would have thought would have been the place where people go to all the world. They didn't. It was some from Cyprus and Serene. And boy, they were like, and put it in my words, if this gospel is good enough for us Jews, why can't we share it? If this thing is good enough for us, it's got to be good enough for the rest of this world. Can you imagine? I, I'm, I'm wondering the conversation, and he's coming up and he's like, "I'm going, Robert, man, we 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 need to talk to these folk over here. I know they ain't Jews. I know, I know, I know. I know they don't look like us. I know they ain't from my neighborhood. I know they don't think like us. They got some really strange ways. to eat some strange food too. But man, let's go talk to them I'm and be like, Fernando, man, you down? Let's go, bro. We got some folk, man. We going, and I'm wondering if they were scared. Well. You think God is for it? How and why would He be against it? Let's go. And it says here, when we look at it, that these guys, these men, thought I mean, it says, and they spoke to Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. Hmm. And then we get how God. I love how out of their heart of love for Christ. And compassion and love for others, they moved and God demonstrated his approval. Now, sometimes God sends us and says, go. But sometimes God is waiting for you to go because he has given you all you already need. And when you start to move, he's going to show you that he approves. For some of us, God, why aren't you leading? God is like, I've given you everything you need to go. You just need to go. And when you do. I'm going to tell you that you're on the right track. But if you don't, you won't know. And they go. And verse 21 says, And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Wow. Some brothers from a city other than the one that launched the faith, Decided they were going to talk to others that did not look, think, smell. Live like them because they thought this gospel could change their life, too. And guess what God did? And it says many. I can't imagine the conversation afterwards. See, I told you that's would why. Man, look at how God is moving. And then we see it came up that that the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So, you know, it wasn't just a small, this was not three or four people that came. This thing started snowballing and then Gentiles started sharing their faith with others and people just started coming and the report got back to Jerusalem and they were like, Yo, Barnabas, go check out what's going on. I'm like, didn't y'all hear it from Peter? That wasn't enough, that the Lord was already doing some stuff with the, but okay. So they go out, and I love who they sent and why they sent. I'm going to go backwards on this, the context for God's people being called Christians and how we should be. They sent Barnabas. Why did they send Barnabas? I'm going to go to how the scripture explains. It goes backwards when it says, um, for he was a good man. So let's look up. Where did I miss that? Mm-mm-mm. Why can't I find it? It says, they, um, give me a second. He saw the grace of God. Can I find it right now? Anyway. And when he had found Saul. Okay. Anyway, in here, for some reason, I'm, my eyes are looking right over in in scripture. But it talks about Barnabas being this good man. Here it is, verse 24. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And because of that, look at what he saw. Now, let's back up a little bit with the people that Peter spoke to. When he came back to Jerusalem, initially they were skeptical. I got to give them some grace. It wasn't that they were sinners and they were evil. They were skeptical. They didn't quite know what was happening. But when they sent Barnabas, and he had already heard what had happened, Barnabas get there, and because... He was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit, and a man of true faith. He could see what God had wanted him to see. What did he see? He saw the grace of God at work. I, okay, how do you see the grace of God at work? What is it? Is it a sign when you walk in that says "grace of God at work"? I, I'm like, I mean, how do you see the grace of God? That's just how my mind works. How did he see the? He saw people coming to and living for Christ and wanting to live together and recognize right away God's grace is at work because this don't normally happen. And he was glad. Look at this. He wasn't terrified. He didn't criticize. He didn't wonder what was going to happen when all these different people start mixing. He was glad and he was excited. And what did he do? He kept it focused on the gospel. He says, look, guys, this is great. Just make sure you stay faithful with the Lord. Make sure you stay connected to God. Make sure that you are walking according to the faith. And so he encouraged them. And then he goes, wait a minute, I need some help. And by then, God had already changed the heart of one hellion boy, a guy named Saul. He had, he had already saved the dude who was persecuting, who was leading the charge for persecuting the church. And, ta- and, and, and Barnabas being the good man, Full of the Holy Spirit and a faith like, I'm going to get Saul because that's what everyone would have done. (laughs) Like, nah, man, don't go get that dude. He crazy. They went and got Saul, brought him back. And for a whole year, taught the believers about living for Christ in this diverse, large, third largest urban center in the empire place called Antioch. God was now birthing something that his plan all throughout history was bringing about. Now you had Jews and non Jews worshiping together, learning together, growing together. Now they were in each other's homes and look, look at what's happening now. God is causing this thing to grow so much that what ends up happening? It says that the, in essence, when you look at other readings as well, <clears throat> It says that the people in the town begin to see these people and they begin to name this group. And that word called is not one that they just thought of a name. I remember sharing this the last time. It's, it's, It's what we do with people who are fulfilling certain responsibilities and tasks in a particular field. And so today, what we call an electrician, is not someone who works on your carpet. We call an electrician someone who, and we go down the list of the things that they tend to do. These people are electricians. These people that do all these things are carpenters. These people that take care of your hair, they may be hairstylists or 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 cosme- I was about to say cosmetologists. I was about to say cosmopolitan. No, that's not the right word cosmetologist and so they called based on their body of work that's what that word actually means called that's in the Greek and so what we see here is that they were called Christians or being of Christ because they saw their body of work they saw how they lived. as a matter of fact Some of the documents around that time says that Christians shunned that name because they didn't give it to them. They didn't use it. But along the line, as time went on, they came to embrace it because it made sense. So unbelievers, those that were outside of God, gave them that name because they look in at this community and they see their body of work and their lifestyle and they go of Christ. What are they saying today of us? When they see our body of work and how we are living, what does the non-disciple of Christ say today? Some people ask, should we use that word Christian? Well, it's been loosely used today. I say people, well, if today you mean Christian Christ follower, I'm with that. If you mean Christian disciple of Christ, Christ, one who follows Christ, not just the teaching of Christ, mm -mm, one that follows the person of Christ. And that means that my lifestyle will match up with his. If you mean that as a Christian, yeah, I'm one of those. Anything else, I don't know what you mean. And so the issue for us today is do we, does our body of work warrant people when they look at us to say, of Christ? And so they were first called Christians in Antioch, in this diverse setting, in this place where God was bringing this culmination of what he was about to do for the whole world. And it spread from there. And then we get this picture of God's end and culmination for humanity. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 7. And I love this one here. It gives us this picture. And in this picture, it helps us tremendously. Verse 9. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Here it is. From every nation. And that's that word ethnos, where we get our word ethnic. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, Standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And I said to them, sir, you know, he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white. In the blood of the Lamb. I love this. He said, who are these? And he not mean, you mean this, the language group over here? You mean this group that looks like this? You mean this ethnic one over here? No. He said, who is this whole group standing around? Because he said, they are from every, this is from every possible diversity in humanity that you can get. They're from here. That's why it says from every nation every tongue, every language. That's why we get these descriptors, because what John is telling us is that the full diversity of humanity is around the throne of God at the end, and they are worshiping God. They are not discussing their differences. They're not talking about their culture. They are worshiping God. And then whenever the elder asks him, who are these? He goes, you know who they are. He said, matter of fact, I do. These are those that have made it through great sacrifice and tribulation. And they are the ones who have washed them in. They have put on their white words. In other words, they are washed clean. This is by the blood of the Lamb. These are those Christians that make up God's church. And they are standing there before them. There is. The the John describes by what he sees, how did he know different tongues and tribes, whatever he saw, he could tell it was from all over the world. He could tell it was every nation, every people group, every language. And they had one cry, our God is great. That's how it ends. That's what God wants us to see. This is what he is leading it toward. And if we think it just magically comes about when we die, God just, you're fooling yourself. God says it starts now as a believer. It changes now. The way you look at others now, like those in Cyrene, like those men from Cyprus and Cyrene, they look at those who are different and say, Why not? Let's go reach them. We look at our community around us and we see the growing diversity, not just in ethnicity, but even in economics and in education. We see the differences and we go, Why not? If you, like Barnabas, are someone that is Good, a good man or woman, full of the Holy Spirit and full of true faith in God, you will be glad to see the grace of God amongst the nations. You will not back away. You will not scratch your head. You will not wonder maybe, do we have to, God, do I need to go to those people? Can I just skip over and go around to the other ones? Because I like those better than I like these. They're more deserving than these are. God doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, when you look back in chapter 10, verse 34 of Acts, whenever Peter now gets it, he says, God, I now see that you are not a God of partiality. You're not in the favorites. I see that now. The Jews, although they were your covenant people and they were and God was working that out with them, he says, They're not your only people. And man, we see today, God is continuing to work on that. The diversity that we seek is one in which God is bringing it to a culmination at the end. We should not be just wanting to be comfortable with folk that live like us um, or have the same education as us, the same economics as us. If we do, we are falling short of God's plan, God's desire. God says his church, and that's why they had the difficulties they did. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, chapter 6, they had difficulties then because the the Greek-speaking Jews' widows felt that they were being ignored and marginalized. And so who did they go get? Just anybody who wanted to volunteer? You look at it in chapter 6, They chose men, first requirement, full of the Holy, mature, full of the Holy Spirit. Because dealing with diversity requires spiritual maturity. And if you don't have it, you're going to mess it up. Because you're going to try and bring culture. You're going to try and bring anything else but what God has. And you are going to try and bring it in and let it sit and rest. And you think you are creating it when all you're trying to do is keep things comfortable for yourself. And I'm going to tell you right now, as I look through Scripture, God ain't always into your comfort. As a matter of fact, what I've seen, God is more interested in your character. And if he, may, if he has to make you uncomfortable to change your character, guess what? <laughs> he will. And for some of us, he has. He has. So for you and I today, how now, last point, should we live in light of this? Number one, like those men from Cyprus and Serene, they realized that the gospel was meant to handle diversity. It was strong enough for that. The gospel was meant to handle diversity. We don't need to shy away from it. We don't need to run. Somehow God can't talk to that people group. Nah, they... they They too poor, God can't deal with them. They too rich, God can't deal with them. You know, they too, you fill in the blank. No. The gospel can reach any and all, and we need to move in that direction. Then, secondly, we need to stop settling for the easy and to be like those men from Cyprus and Serene and experiment according to the heart of God. And I'm not just saying you can just do, go do whatever's on your mind. You better make sure that your mind is spiritually mature before you do that. But the issue is that they decided they were going to try something out of the ordinary, different, new, let's see, because it sounds like this should be able to work in Christ. So be willing to be an experimenter according to the heart of God. But then, like Barnabas, keep the gospel out front as you care for people. Because that's what they did. He said he encouraged them to remain faithful. What was the best thing he could say to them? Stay faithful to God. And we're going to help and care for you. How do I know he wouldn't got somebody that can help grow them up? He wouldn't left. He'd be like, hold on, y'all, be right back. Went and got Paul, came back, I got help. And for one year, grew those people up. And from there, they just begin to spread, and that gospel began to spread. And you see this attitude. They sent one good man to encourage the faith of a whole church, one. And because he was good, according to the Lord, full of the Holy Spirit, and was settled in true faith, look at what he was able to do. How much more you and I, one good woman, one good man. What could you do if you allowed the Lord to cause you to get uncomfortable, get outside of your circle and begin to not judge, not to throw them under the bus, not call them to be like you, but to call them to be like Christ? And I'll say this too. Don't think that diverse communities don't want the gospel. Well, they don't want it. Look how they were living what if someone said that about you before you came to the Lord? They don't want to look out, look at how he's living. If they looked at me, and I went to church since I was five years old and played my little games until the Lord grabbed my heart. If someone said, look at him, he's playing games. He don't want to hear the gospel. He, he heard it every Sunday in church. What's his problem? See, the issue is just share it and just live it. And let God work on the hearts of people. And then remember from Luke 10, who your neighbor is. Who is your neighbor? From Luke 10, we learned that one. Who is my neighbor? Whomever I have the opportunity to show mercy and compassion toward. Whomever I encounter, that I have an opportunity to show. And as a matter of fact, Jesus chose the most extreme of antagonistic examples to prove it. A Jew and a Samaritan, come on, y'all. How opposite can they be? They hated one another, and yet one had the compassion that was his neighbor. And then lastly, I put here, watch God move. I don't know how he's going to move. Does that mean that 300 going to come? I don't know. That's not even my responsibility. I just need to do, I need to go with boldness. I need to experiment according to the heart of God. I need to be unafraid of challenges and new people and things. Folk, we have one of the most diverse Areas in our state is resting right here in our neighborhood. The number of immigrants that are here are are huge. And the diversity here is increasing. We have a school system across the street that is over 90% on subsidized lunch. We've got ways in which we can get into and make a difference in this community. I thank God for what we have been able to do as a church to extend ourselves and to reach out. But let's not stop keeping the gospel out front as we care for people, letting them know that God's love is for the nations, not just for the people that look like you and I. And as we do that, watch God move. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. God, that diversity is at the heart of your plan. When we look at Revelation and we see those who are standing, those who are around the throne, those who are standing worshiping you, God, they have come through the fire. They have sacrificed and have died and they have, Lord, they have given up everything because they love you. And they were standing there, all of them from all over the world, your creation, but now your children worshiping you. And Father, I pray that we would catch that example. We would catch that attitude. Father, we would catch that whole idea that you are planning in us, that this is what you intended all along and I pray God that we would be people that would represent you well, reconcilers, lovers, filled with justice, merciful, filled with love and compassion, people of Shalom, a diverse group reaching out to this world, being unafraid, of the persecution that may come as a result, allowing you to move. God, I pray that you would help us to be that kind of people as we're here today. God, I pray you would help us to get along with you and let you deal with our hearts, let you change us, let you move in us. Father, I pray that this would not just be a good sermon, quote unquote, but Lord, that this would indeed be words that will cause us to change. May we be like Barnabas, good men and women, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, so that we may be glad when we see the grace of God at work. Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. This morning before we leave, I do not want to... um, have us leave and not give anyone here or those that may be watching us an opportunity um, to be able to get to know in a relationship this Christ we're talking about. This life change done by the life changer can happen to you. We are not elite. We are not some special group. We're all ordinary folk here, talking to ordinary folk out there, whether you're highly resourced or under-resourced whether you're popular or unpopular, it doesn't matter whether you've been marginalized or people are waiting on you hand and foot to serve you. It doesn't matter. You are intended to be in relationship with Christ. And today that can happen for you. Today it can change if you don't have a relationship with Christ. Number one, you realize that you are a sinner and that's the very reason Christ came. He came so that he would die, so that he would reconcile, he would bring you back together with God. You were meant to be in relationship with God. Then secondly, that you realize that Jesus is God's only provision for that sin. And thirdly, you embrace the work of Christ, the finished work that he did on the cross. And when he was risen, when he arose from the dead to claim victory. And you embrace that for yourself and say, God, I want that. And today you can know Christ. And if that is you, I pray that you do something about it right now. Don't wait till later. If you're here today and you've done something, please just let one of us know. Talk to me as we gather outside or one of the other people that you see here that you know. But also... If you're out there, talk to someone you know, or there's some information that'll come at the end where you can connect with us. Let us know that you made a decision. We would love to be able to help you further along. But understand, God's picture for all of humanity is wonderful, and if we buy into it, if we grab a hold of it, boy, we will be glad if we belong to Christ. Just remember They were first called Christians in a highly diverse urban area. In this vast empire, they were first called Christians by unbelievers in Antioch. That says it all. Man, let our body of work cause people to look in and say, because of what they do, here's how we label them. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Hopefully I can get a chance to talk to some of you guys outside. I'm going to hand you over to our ushers, and they will lead you into next steps and how we come on out. Remember, continue to give as God has allowed you. That just doesn't mean money. It means to give of yourself. And as I said, generosity is never a resource issue. It is a heart issue. You guys have a great Sunday. God bless you. Ushers.
0: been listening to a broadcast of Solid Word Bible Church located at 4374 West 52nd Street, Indianapolis, Indiana. And if you made the decision to give your life to Christ, would you please share it with us so we can rejoice with you and also pray for you. Again, thank you for joining us and may God
2: continue to keep you until next time.